Second Chancers. As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, it'll help dynamic people such as yourself to optimally find this podcast and add this to your library of other favorite podcasts. I'd certainly very much appreciate it. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I'd love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or a coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your organizational and learning environment. Feel free to contact me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Today's topic today, we'll be talking about fundamental finances, finances through your re-entry journey, and just sustainable finances overall. But before we get to that, I want to give a little bit, little background before we start talking about finances and talk to you about something that every returning citizen thinks about or remembers. And there's that special type of joy in my experience. There was that special type of joy in January 2001 when I was released on work release after being incarcerated for six months. As I was going through the processing and removing my jailhouse greens, there was a unique type of joy that I was feeling as I was anticipating leaving. Something as little as just what blue jeans felt like again, feeling denim upon my skin, I just took for granted what the comfort of blue jeans were. I didn't wear them for six months and just feeling them again was just such a great feeling. It was just a reminder that I was actually going home. Of course, that morning was highlighted by being picked up by my mother and my cousin, and it was a cold winter morning. And when we saw each other, the hugs were tight, the tears flowed, and there was such a feeling of relief. And it was a tremendous, indescribable feeling. When I got home, my mom made me breakfast, a breakfast that resembled more a Thanksgiving dinner. She still had to go to work that night and had to go to sleep before she worked the late shift. And she was worried about cooking dinner for me. I said, Mom, don't worry about cooking dinner for me. It's okay. I went to McDonald's and had a Big Mac. And after being away for so long, having a Big Mac to me was like having a prime steak. It was great. And the day continued to be highlighted by seeing my sister, my niece. I received so many visitors, so many welcome home phone calls. Highlighted by the most joyous phone call of all was speaking to my children. By the end of that day, I was enjoying watching cable TV in my mom's house in the basement apartment on a comfortable couch. And I had the pleasure of sleeping in my childhood bedroom in a comfortable bed, in a comfortable bed. And my mind was, my mind and body was just a complete rest, relaxation and pleasure. My mind and physically, definitely my body was so physically far away from the medium security facility I had left sleeping in army-like barracks, hearing everyone sleep around me, and even the faint sound of the correction officer's radio, hearing the correction officers walk around, taking count during the night while you're sleeping, and then trying to sleep while all that's going on. The comfort of being physically and psychologically safe in your childhood home was just an indescribable joy. There are many things we know that we remember in life, Myself and returning citizens, like I said, always remember the day that you came home. And now let's talk about fundamental finances. The next day, the next morning, I woke up, my mom left stacks and stacks 
of letters, bills, statements, even junk mail. She left so much stuff for me to review. That I was just looking through all kinds of stuff. I, she even provided a computer for me that I looked through my email. I had thousands of emails. My email was still active. My cell phone was still active. There was no more room for voicemail, voicemail messages on my cell phone. But when I was looking through the letters, one of the things I noticed was I did have some modest credit card debt before I went away. And by now, I had letters talking about the balances being much bigger due to interest payments and penalties, excessive penalties. There was already collection letters. There was even filing of court papers as far as, you know, looking to collect their debt. I was so overwhelmed. And I was thinking when I was reading those letters, I was thinking, wow, when I was locked away, for me, my life stopped, that my outdoor life had stopped. But other things, namely my finances, that didn't stop. While I was locked away, the wheels of motion as far as my finances did not stop. It kept going. While I was away, my lawyers were seeking an appeal of my case, and they were seeking me to get out on bail while getting on my getting my appeal heard. It was a pretty high bail, and my mom definitely tried to raise the funds, but of course it wasn't enough. Family, friends, and loved ones contributed to my to that bail fund, and I and I thank them so much, you know, in in those welcome home phone calls, and I even called other people that I couldn't get in contact with on my first day at home. And the money was still there, and I offered to give them the money back, but they all granted me permission to keep the funds, and they said, you'll need the money to transition as since you're coming back home to get yourself back on your feet. So I was home on work release, so of course, I had to find work. I found a modest job, and my mom sat with me at that point. She saw how overwhelmed I was, and she wanted to sit there and help me and discuss how I would be handling my finances. My mom was old school, like I said, and just like we talked about last week, she was old school. She said, just take out a notebook. Last week, I talked to you guys about taking out a spiral Cambridge notebook. Mom had a composition black marble notebook. She took that out, and she talked about the formula that she utilized when my dad died as far as how she was going to take care of the house and how she would split up her income. She gave me the formula and said, look at 100% of your income. 75% of your income should be dedicated to your living expenses. 15% of your income should be dedicated to short-term expenses. She said, call that your ready reserve fund. So you have money ready on hand. And those are your reserve, your reserve money ready on hand to take care of anything that's unexpected or anything short-term that you want to plan. And 10% of that money should be under long-term expenses like retirement and things of that nature. So she talked about assessing my expenses, examining my options. And I worked for a few months and I was trying to get myself on my feet and I started to organize myself and my bills. But for those of you guys who've been on work release know that I was working, but the check was the check I had to give to the facility. All the facility gave me back was money to get back and forth to work to pay for a Metro card and maybe a very modest allowance. But until I until I actually was officially on parole, I had to give my all of my checks to the to the work release facility. And they had and they would take some money off to charge me for being in the work release facility as well. So I didn't have access to my money and I was definitely underwater because those bills were not were still coming. Later on that year, I made the decision to file Chapter Seven bankruptcy to wipe away all my debt. Of course, I had to wait till I was on parole to go through that legal process. After the Chapter 7 bankruptcy was concluded, at that time, I was still feeling like I was still rebuilding and reconstructing myself, even though work release was over and now I was on parole. But no matter how I, 
bad I felt, mom was a mom was a winner. She was a continuous encourager. I think she was just happy that her child was home. But she would always tell me, remember now, you're free. You're on parole. You're free. You're free and you have God. So there's nothing that you cannot do. She always said to remember the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 27. What is impossible for man is possible with God. Her faith was always strong, and she continued to speak that faith into me and into my sister and all of us in our family. So when I looked at my finances now, I looked back and went back to her original formula. I said, okay, let's look at the foundation. I have 100% of my income, 75% goes towards living, 15% towards the ready reserve fund, and 10% towards my long-term savings. My long-term savings and short-term savings, I said, okay, the best way to do it is to have it withdrawn out of my check, to have it go automatically, maybe automatically go into a savings account or IRA if it's post-tax, automatically go into my retirement account if I, if the job set me up for one, and that would go under my pre-tax account. So if I don't have the money in my hand, I won't miss it if it automatically is gone. I also had to look and revise my last will and testament, update my living will and my medical power of attorney, and when I had a full-time job, I had to make sure and double check with them to see, well, do they have um, an insurance policy on me? Because a lot of full-time jobs, they'll have insurance policies or life insurance policies on their employees that usually matches your salary. And of course, I also, in the full-time job I have now, I, of course, sub add a supplement to it. So it doubles my full-time salary. So in case something was to happen to me now, my sister, my daughter, my niece, they could have a lot of money to provide to provide for themselves, you know, in case something happened while I was still working. The other thing that I also added on, and this is not a commercial, but the other thing I also added for short-term disability, if you was to get hurt at the job, workers' comp only covers two-thirds of your salary. You're only going to get paid two-thirds of your salary. So I signed up for AFLAC. So signing up for AFLAC for short-term disability would be good to supplement the income. So certainly a lot of times we can't always live on 100% of our income and then now you're looking at it that you're going to be living on two thirds of your income. And this is, of course, in case you got hurt. Now, back to the finances, I looked at my vision board. I wrote down my goals. And what I did then and what I still do now is that I have my vision board. I write down my goals. I put everything in a notebook and I have my finances laid out. I have the 75, 15, 10 percent laid out. And with my finances, I review them every 90 days. Where, where can I? spend smarter? Where can I maximize my value? Do I have to cut any expenses? Do Have I paid anything off? And annually, I review my finances. And, and if I could review it with a financial planner, I'll do that as well. And you don't have to have big money for a financial planner. A financial planner could just help you with your everyday finances. It's not that you have to have big money. You could have a get a modest financial planner to help you with that. And then I look at these 15 steps that you take as far as really to sustain and fundamentally follow this formula as far as sustaining your finances. Number one, I talked about it in the Ready Reserve Fund. Pay yourself first and let those withdrawals be automatic. Don't let that money go through your hands. You'll never miss it. If it goes automatically into an account, whether it be a retirement account or a savings account, automatically goes out of your paycheck, you'll never miss it. You'll never know it's there. You never had to put it in your hand. Secondly, Take stock of your expenses. Prioritize what your expenses are. Get things that are just maximize your value. 
for example, when you go to work, a lot of people may not be going to work at in the office based on the pandemic, but some people are working from home. But if you're eating, but if you're going to work still physically, think about whether you should be eating out or taking lunch to work. A lot of money could be saved when you're taking lunch to work. And look at your lifestyle. Look at what you have around in the house. Try to be a minimalist. Now, minimalist is a hard lifestyle. So sometimes if you've seen that documentary on Netflix about minimalism, I don't know if I can live that hard, but I really do try to follow those those philosophies of getting rid of waste and clutter. For example, cutting out cable and using my Wi-Fi to deal with streaming services so I get to maximize my value because cable is just really expensive. Number three, set your budget and be disciplined. Remember, you're going to review them every 90 days and every year, but set your budget and be disciplined. Four, pay off your credit card debt. Keep your credit card debt manageable. Don't go to the max. And if you have multiple balances, use the snowball strategy to pay off your credit card debt. You take, you look at all your credit card debt and you look at your lowest account, lowest amount to your highest amount. Your lowest amount, you pay your minimum plus as much as you can. And all the other amounts, you just pay the minimum. Once you pay off the lowest amount, take all the money you was paying for the lowest and then now the, ne the next lowest, you, you pay that plus that minimum. And you continue to pay, pay off the lowest amount with the most money you can and the other ones, minim and you, other ones you use a minimum payment. And then you'll see that that will slowly but surely, that'll take care of itself. And then you just, once one is paid, you redirect the money to the next one. And slowly but surely, it'll, it'll happen. But remember, that slow and steady is going to win that race. Number five. Minimize the clutter in your house. You'd be surprised having a lot of stuff in your house and collecting all those material things. You'll realize that you don't really even need them. Don't collect too many material things. Anything that you get, make sure you get stuff that maximizes value. Collect experiences, not things. I like to travel. I could tell you stories about when I traveled to different parts of the world and I could tell that story like it was yesterday. But if I have a lot of things, I may not be able to tell you the story about pair of expensive jeans I bought or what pair of expensive shoes I bought. I may not have a story with that. I may not even remember buying it. So definitely collect those experiences. And when you're looking at social activities to do, find free or low cost social activities. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you need to splurge, be strategic in your splurging. We just talked about the snowball strategy for paying off credit card debt. When you pay off one credit card, maybe a way to celebrate is maybe that one Maybe that next month, you don't take all that money and pay off the next credit card. Take some of that money and splurge on yourself. Celebrate the fact that you accomplished something. But just do it for one month. Then the following month, continue going back to the snowball strategy. Number six, be smart and strategic about making loans or gifts and doing business with family and friends. Although people may have the best of intentions, your money, you work hard for it. And sometimes when you go into business and you do go into business with family and friends, the best of intentions, and things could happen. People fight the most over finances. Big, big fights could happen over that. Don't want to do it. Number seven, sell unwanted stuff or donate it. That's simple. You know, we're talking about getting rid of the clutter. Number eight, always assess your current finances. Do not live above your means. If you need more money and if it's really overwhelming, Get side gigs, get side hustles or a part-time job. Of course, legal, of course. Find your zone of greatness, something that you enjoy doing on a part-time basis, and go ahead and do it. Whether it be fixing computers or maybe you know how to cook food well, 
I mean, for me, besides my part-time job, I do consulting. Of course, I help, I coach and tutor people doing their dissertation or graduate thesis papers, because I love to see folks get their education, whether it be getting their doctor or getting their master's. But I know when I worked at the Fortune Society, like I told you earlier, I worked as a bouncer. I was a security manager. I've also delivered and delivered food for Uber Eats. When I have a need and I need to meet that need, I'll meet that need. And you shouldn't be ashamed to meet that need. Making legal, honest money, should there should be no shame when it comes to that. Number nine, no spontaneous purchases. Let me repeat that. No spontaneous purchases. Let me say it one more time. No spontaneous purchases. Know your spending parameters. Know what's a need and know what's a want. And if you're really conflicted about what it is that you should buy, if that item looks so good and you got to buy it, just think about it. Sleep on it. It'll be there tomorrow morning when you have to buy it or when you want to buy it. It's not going anywhere. So really think about, is this a need? Do I need it or do I just want it? Number 10, don't get a lot of flashy stuff. You don't need an expensive car. Think about whether the car should be new or pre-owned, lease or purchased. Know your financial situation. You don't need flashy jewelry. You don't need expensive shoes, sneakers, or jeans. A lot of times people don't even, don't, they don't even recognize or, or notice how expensive your shoes are, your sneakers are, your jeans are. You know how expensive they are. And if they get dirty or something happens to them, you'll really be feeling it because you know how much money you spent on that stuff. Stuff that at the end of the day really doesn't make a difference. Number 11, continue to maintain your ready reserve fund. Your ready reserve fund is for your unexpected expenses, short term. It gives you the opportunity to plan out different expenses if you want to make a short a, a short term purchase. Mom used to do the old school type of thing. Um, some of you guys may be old enough to remember when people used to have Christmas club savings, when they would save money to be able to buy Christmas gifts. Mom, no matter what, would save $40 a week for 50 weeks for her Christmas club. And that would give her a total of $2,000 to spend to spend on Christmas. Now, she didn't spend $2,000 on me or my sister for Christmas. She basically utilized that $2,000, of course, to get us stuff, but also to buy stuff for the family. And we had a big, have a big family of aunts, uncles, cousins. So that $2,000 went a long way. And mom knew how to stretch that $2,000 because they could go pretty quick. Number 12, stay motivated. Be focused. Slow and steady runs the race. You will continue to make progress and you will win that race as far as keeping your finances sustainable. Number 13, get an accountability partner. Maybe you need an accountability partner to help you through that process. Number 14, when you purchase products, look at products that are cheap or let me say products that have more value. For in my mind, I like to spend more on food like organic food, or if I want to buy things from Whole Foods or something, that I'll, I'll buy more, more quality food. That's what I want to spend my money on and get the most value for it. Now, when it comes to something like laundry detergent, I don't need laundry detergent that's April fresh or smells like lilacs and chrysanthemums. Regular laundry detergent cleans the clothes just like April fresh and lilacs and chrysanthemums do. So I don't need no value as far as having sweet smelling detergent. I can get the regular detergent and that will do me just well. And number 15, the last thing, have patience. Do not be hard on yourself. You're progressing step-by-step step to keep your finances sustainable for the long-term. Remember, slow and steady wins the race. Just like we said in, in step 12, always remember slow and steady wins the race. That's not only in finances, 
but that's also in life. So once again, if you'd like to work with me one-on-one as a returning citizen, coaching client, or you're a representative of a business college or university, contact me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, you've been blessed to see another day. You've been blessed with your second chance, so make the best of it. I love you all. Take care and be well.